My name is Sean Thomas, and I'm the author of Be More Today, a 40-day guide to a better version of you. As doctor of physical therapy, I've seen thousands of people do great things. They came to me with ailments, physical ailments, pain, issues, and they got through them, all because they decided in their mind they were going to do it. So I wrote a book about it. Your thoughts can make you great, or they can make you crumble. Those thoughts actually control everything in your life. I have three things I want you to do. Starts. Things I want you to start doing in your life that you said you wanted to do at some point in time. You said them. Stops. Things I want you to stop doing in your life, which I know you also want to stop. And three goals for your lives. And I take you through a 40-day guide to make sure you take those thoughts for those three things into reality. Now, I put some workouts in there too. Workouts to keep you always on the move because you got to keep moving. you got to stay focused. So, 40 days. Thoughts, workouts, you. And all I want you to do is trust the process and just be persistent. Visit BeMoreTodayBook.com. That's right, BeMoreTodayBook.com. And I guarantee you, if you just trust the process and be persistent, you too can be the best version of you. What's going on, folks? It's your boy again, back in the building, Dr. Sean Thomas. Here's episode 67 of the Be More Today show. We are back, we are back, we are back in the building. It's so good to be here. I missed you guys last week. I did a Spartan race last week, folks. And let me tell you something. It was race number 20 for me, and that was not the intention. We had planned to go up there to literally go up there and do a trail run, a 6.2-mile trail run, scenic, majestic, pleasant chill right we got there at 7 45 this is in palmelton pennsylvania blue mountain we drove all the way from brooklyn wherever else to get there 7 45 pulled into the parking lot and we said okay we got time no problem we went to the bathroom walked to registration we get to the registration desk at maybe like 805 810 and they said sorry folks the 17 of you guys who came from wherever the race is closed the race went off at eight o'clock and if you are not here at 8 o'clock, the race is done. We said, okay, so what now? Do you go back to Brooklyn? I said, no, 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 no. If you want to stay, you can, but you're going to run the actual Spartan race. And for those of you who do not know, the Spartan race is not a trail race. It's not a trail run, like just through the woods or whatever else. It's through the woods with obstacles, under barbed wire. You're going through water. You're throwing spears. You're climbing ropes. It's madness. And I've done these before, but I was not in the mindset to do one of those on Sunday. So let me tell you, as negative as I felt for those first five minutes, once the gun went off, once they started chanting, Aru, 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 I was in it. And I finished the race. Um, I did pretty well. Uh, no burpees. It was actually a really fun experience seeing my daughter run, my niece run, my mom, my wife. And the lesson I learned from that day is that, look, obstacles come, obstacles go, right? You've trained for various things in life, whatever it is, whether it's something that you've trained for that you know you've been through or something that you will see in the future. But no matter what the case is, things happen. You have to adapt. You have to pivot. You have to move. You have to shuffle. And then you have to get all the obstacle any way that you can. And it's something that we sometimes can anticipate because we know sometimes we have tests that come our way. And sometimes things just smack us in the face, not even recognizing it's going to be going down like that. But we have to always recognize we can stand up to the test and be successful if we just face our fields and do it. So my charge for you this week is to go out there. Uh, don't be afraid when things get a little interesting, when they're not as smooth as you want them to be. Continue to pivot, continue to move, and recognize that no matter what's going on, 
movement is crucial. Whether I'm moving for 6.2 miles on that trail run or my 3.2 miles in a Spartan race, I got a chance to move on Sunday and I'm so grateful for that opportunity. And I brought somebody on the show today who also appreciates movement. Now, Be More Today has been great. We've been doing so many shows, 36 countries. It's been fantastic. And all you guys who've been listening to us and subscribing, I love you guys so much and I appreciate you. But I have a friend of mine right now who's known me before Be More Today. He's someone that has been with me, uh, uh, a mentor of mine in various capacities. Um, I went to Brown University with him. I was a freshman, he was a senior. And the reason I got into dance at all was, was pretty much based uh, by his tutelage and his inspiration. And his name is Jamal Jackson. Now, before I talk about his bio, the quote I wanna share for you today is very, very simple. It's about dance. And it says, dance is the joy of movement and the heart of life. Now, for those of you who have ever danced professionally or just even in your bedroom, like in your shower, right? You know, dance is that fun thing. It gets us moving. It gets us out of our uh, uh, sad places. And sometimes it even gets us to a place where we can see things artistically that we can't even express verbally. Um, dance is that thing that connects us through all kinds of different mediums. And Jamal Jackson is someone who I think has brought dance to, to, to be just more than movement, but to be something that people can see visually and feel emotionally uh, and express in words that the words can't even express. Um, he was born in Brooklyn, BK, all day, right? And began his formal studies of movement with the Harlem-based Batotietu Dance Company. His pursuit of biology and dance led him to Brown University, Bruno, you know, in Providence, Rhode Island, where he received the Weston Award for his contribution to the Fusion Dance Company, Few Few, and New Works World Traditions African Dance Company from 96 to 00. And folks, he is the class of Oh, oh. Now, Jamal did a number of different things. He's uh, trained and learned uh, various dance styles in Mali, West Africa, and he went on to choreograph for various festivals, New York Arts Festival in, in, in Iowa Day in 2002. And in 2002, he started making the beginnings of African-based modern technique that is now stylized as JJDC. He performed with Ballet International Africans for two seasons as a principal dancer and in 2004, founded the Jamal Jackson Dance Company, a company that I was blessed to be a part of uh, at its inception and was so blessed by so many wonderful performances and traveling with him. Now, Jamal Jackson Dance Company has established a strong presence in and out of New York City, performing year-round in festivals, self-produced shows, community outreach programs, and private events. The company's works have been presented at venues including Mark Morris Dance Center, Jacob's Pillow, NYC Summer Stage Concert Series, Dance Now Festival, and the list goes on and on and on. Brooklyn Museum, Equity Now's 20th Anniversary, Big Range Festival in Austin, Texas, and the list goes on and on and on. Martha's Vineyard, he's been doing so many things, but the biggest thing I think was the Abundance Festival in Carlston, Sweden, and of course, close to home, the 9th Street, 2nd Y, and the Jazz at Lincoln Center. He has done so many things since founding his company in 2004, fusing various styles of traditional African dance with modern techniques and diversifying contemporary music styles in order to create a new, unique technique that is relevant to multivarious communities. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, pets included, welcome to the stage, my boy, the man with the master plan, and one of the guys who I look up to as a brother of mine, OO's finest from Brown University and JJDC director of dance, Jamal Jackson. JJDC Jackson, what's going on, boy? Hey, what's up, man? That's a great introduction. I love it. I feel like amped up now on this Tuesday morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just happy you're on the show. I really appreciate you being here. 
Um, people probably don't even recognize, you know, our, our friendship goes, uh, you know, beyond most things. We, we, we danced together at, in college. We danced together after school. Um, you know, you, went, you came to my wedding. I've been to your wedding. Um, we played basketball together. We've done a number of things over the time. And even though I'm not dancing with you right now, you know, a lot of what I learned from you when I was dancing with JGBC was, was, was life-changing. Uh, it was a really exciting time for us to connect um, during that time of dancing and moving and traveling and really seeing the company grow and to see what you've done since then uh, uh, really inspires me and, and really makes you just warm inside. You, you came to my book launch and, you know, it's just so cool that we've continued to connect all these years since school, you know, 20, 20 plus years now since school. So thank you so much for being on the show and thank you for making time to talk to me today. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Sean, you've been there from the beginning of everything. I remember the, the, uh, the kind of transition that Fusion was making when all these upperclassmen left and there was, there was a few of us left and then you came in and reignited um, that company, which is basically the spark, in many ways, the spark of everything that has come um, from my experience in dance uh, as, as an adult and as a professional. And then when I took this venture to kind of start this company, which, you know, for me was, was, you know, this idea of how do we connect family? How do we kind of have that faith? What is our church? For me, a lot of the studio is that church, is that place of expression. And I just wanted family there. And you were the first, you were the day one first person um, who came and, and just started that journey of JJDC. So I, I am eternally grateful for, you know, the influence that you've had throughout, you know, my career and my experience. I appreciate that, dude. Um, so let, let's get into it. You know, I, I, I was a freshman, you were a senior, I looked up to you tremendously. Um, and I had never really experienced um, African dance. You know, I, I, of course I'm an MJ fan, you know, my shoe and boo moves all, all over the place. So, you know, I can get all that kind of stuff down, but watching you for the first time do West African dance. Um, I remember my freshman year, senior year, the fall dance concert, and you were dancing with New Works and you were doing an African piece with um, a couple other guys. and it was life-changing for me to recognize and just observe that um, because I had never actually experienced any of those things firsthand. So, you know, reading your bio, I knew you were a bio major at school and I knew you were into dance, but what exactly uh, about that, those two things together, first of all, sparked you to go to Brown and then secondly, sparked you to not pursue biology, but to pursue a career pursuing the pursuit of putting out dance dance styles, dance choreography, and, and showcasing these works uh, across the world? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a great question. I would say, I mean, I started, uh, my first experience with dance was uh, in about sixth or seventh grade in terms of uh, uh, not just dancing in the basement with my cousins or kicking it, but um, I was introduced by Julia Leitao, um, who came and taught a class at St. Anne's where I went to school. And it was the first time they just brought in this, uh, this teacher to teach African dance. And I was like, what is this? This guy, you know, resembles me. It was really interesting. The school that I went to was a predominantly white school. And so it very much connected with me in a, in a new way. And from there, I knew that there was a spark. And so I started dancing with him. I danced with their company, um, their children's company and performed. And that just has always from that moment been a part of my life. Um, I was really also interest, interested and loved marine biology. Um, and so I felt like those two things really connected with me when I was in high school. And I was like, this is something that I, I just kind of want to continue. Um, and, you know, when I visited schools, Brown was one of those places that I think um, had the ability to kind of foster and uh, continue my, my love for those two ideas. Um, 
And I think over time, and I got my biology degree and that's you know what, what I majored in, but I feel like kind of throughout the course of college, I realized that I love both, but I realized that dance was more true to me and my expression. And the idea of, I need my voice to be mine and I wanna figure out how to put it out there. And, and for me, dance was the way to really pursue that and, and was really true to myself. So I, I took that risk and said, this is what I wanna do. This is how I wanna operate in the world. And I think movement is connected to all things. So um, that's, I made that decision kind of with that idea. Yeah, I mean, that that's a bold decision. You know, a lot of people, you know, a lot of people look at that, especially you're talking about 2000, you know, a lot of people look at that and say, wow, you went to this school, you did all these different things, and you're choosing to do something that is not a traditional path, right? It's not a traditional path. They say, oh, yes, yeah, I'm going to definitely do this. You have to basically pave your way to create this thing. Um, do you think that, uh, was there any, any flack you got from that? Did your, your family or friends say, what are you doing? Do you ever feel like you were making the wrong decision? Do you ever feel like, uh, although I like this, this might not be a career thing. Like what are all the thoughts that went through your mind when you said, yes, this is what I'm going to do? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I feel like there's always challenges. I think my family has always been extremely supportive, but they also are kind of like, oh, you're le leaving school and this is what you're going to pursue. Well, you're going to have to support yourself, right? So like, it wasn't like, you can't do this, but like, you got to figure it out then. So it was one of those situations where I said, okay, you know, I'm going to start by just finding some, some studios and gyms to teach in. Let me audition and get a couple of jobs here and there. Um, and, you know, it, it was tricky. It's hard, you know, when, when you start out, you know, being able to support yourself, especially living in New York City, as we all know, um, is challenging. And so there has always been a part of me that says, you know, I'm doing this for the love, for the art, for what I think is important, connecting a community. And I think that that has always been centered around the work that I do. Um, at the same time, like, I know we live in a capitalist society and I need to make some money too. So I've always tried to figure out, you know, ways in which I can do both. Um, and I, I didn't just go into it saying, I'm going to be just solely a struggling artist who can't eat. Like I was like, I need to eat, but I also have to focus on these other things. So how can I, how can I make those two ideas work? And I think I've balanced it pretty well um, over the years. Um, I've, I've had a, a huge love uh, in teaching and partially goes back to that that inspiration that that first teacher brought to me. So I've always taught no matter, you know, whether the company's touring, traveling, whatever, to me, teaching has been instrumental in everything that I do with the art. So that's been a major way in which I've been able to support myself as well through the teaching. That's great. And, you know, I, I as someone who was also a teacher, I didn't think I'd ever be teaching dance ever. And I ended up actually teaching dance for a number of years in the various studios in Brooklyn and in Providence. And I got a lot of inspiration from you, um, watching you teach and, and recognizing that, you know, although I didn't have the, the, the as much training or as much sound training as others did, you know, once you know something and it's in your heart, like anything else, once you learn that thing and you really know it, you can teach that thing to anybody else. You know what I mean? So whether it's dance movement or whether it's that's something that is, is even academia based, you know, once you know it and you can teach it, then you really know it. And um, I think the beauty of that is that you're teaching something and continue to teach something that actually is in your heart. So it's not just about making a dollar. Yes, you're making a dollar at the same time, but you're also like showcasing your soul and, and, and really sharing that with others and, and continuing the legacy that, that it seemed like JJDC is, is, is founded upon. Now, you know, I, I was there at the beginning of JJDC and, and I know what we were doing originally, but 
the company has has grown so much uh, since then. So what was the original concept for the company when we started? And, and how do you think it's progressed and grown uh, to today? Yeah, so I mean, I think there's so many facets to that. One, like I said before, I wanted it to be family. For me, from the beginning, the thing that has been kind of a, a through line for, guess what, a little over 15 years now is that um, it's always been family. It's always been, you know, like I want to make sure that the artists that I, that I work with are also compensated and, and make sure that, you know, those types of things are upheld. But it is, like you said, we've been to each other's weddings. We see the birth of other, you know, um, past members, children. Like it is family to me. So like once you step, step in that door of the studio, if you ch choose to go on other endeavors, that's fine, but we're always connected. That's, that's how I've always tried to kind of surround myself with those kinds of people, because to me, that's, that's joy and that, that is the love. And that, that is where the company kind of, I think, got its roots from. Um, and then on, in an artistic space, uh, it was this, this, how do I express this voice? How, did I, how do I look at some traditional um, West African movement and kind of the themes and ideas with that? And how does that kind of translate to some of the contemporary ideas that are happening uh, in our Western world every day, right? Um, when I was traveling in Mali, I met so many people and got so many wonderful experiences. And one of the most actually profound conversations I had was one that hurt deeply, but also um, made me really think about like how I approach the art. And, and the person was saying like, Jamal, you know, you're a really good dude. I love that you're coming and appreciating the work and, and, and the artistry and the traditions here, but you're a Westerner. And that like, it stung. Like it's, it just meant like, you know, it, there was a moment of where it was like, I need to have you at a little bit of an arm's length distance just because you're, you're of this other space. Um, and there is some truth to that. Now you can break down those barriers, right? And, and, but I think it's the idea of understanding difference um, and then kind of celebrating those differences and then finding the commonalities. And so in that conversation, it made me say, okay, there, there is this connection. What is that connection? Right, but also recognizing some of those differences and bring, bringing those kind of disciplines together to really tell stories and to um, hear voices that have sometimes been muffled or pushed to the margins. And I think that's the work that I'm constantly trying to achieve and trying to trying to make. Hmm. For those who don't know, you know Jamal Jackson Dance Company has done a number of different um, pieces that were uh, very relevant to what was happening at, at the time that they were created. Um, Jamal, you have a piece that is dedicated basically to the incident with George Floyd. You have a piece that was uh, dedicated to the O.J. Simpson trial. Um, can you just give listeners a little a tidbit of, of what those two pieces in particular were about and what inspired you to create literally an entire uh, uh, piece um, based on these two very uh, serious and very uh, influential timepieces in our, in our history. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll talk uh, first about the, the, the newest work that we've been making, um, which is called 846. Um, and it does, it, it looks at um, some of the racialized violence in this country um, that's happened recently, but also over the inception and history of this entire country. Um, and it has been spurred um, by the many um, deaths that we've been seeing, um, that we've been inundated with, 
uh, nonstop. Uh, the piece is a retelling of Rite of Spring. And um, Rite of Spring, for those who don't know, is um, it's a 1913 score by Igor Stravinsky, a Russian composer. Uh, the idea that uh, there is this juxtaposition of success and sacrifice. So the community needs to uh, sacrifice the young virginal dancer in order for the community to uh, thrive at the advent of spring. Um, and there was something to me as I was you know, listening, and it's this intense piece, crazy piece of music, um, that just that idea resonated in the sense of why does America's success um, why is it dependent on the killing and destruction of black and brown bodies? Um, because, that, because it's been that <laughs> from the very beginning. And so we've been making a work using that piece of music and using that idea and kind of transferring it to this idea that's been happening today. Um, and it's been a very hard work to make in the sense that uh, as we're making these events keep happening, right? So you're kind of in it as you're making the work. So it gets very hard and very heavy and very emotional. Um, and we're in the process of developing that. We've, we've created a lot and we perform some excerpts. Um, and one of the things that is vital, which we're moving into right now, is we've talked a lot about trauma in the work and a lot of that pain. And now we're, we wanna move into uh, stories of joy and glory. And um, so that we can also feature that. So that um, one of the important things is that every time it's referenced or someone is referenced, it's not a hashtag, right? I want to hear your stories of life and joy. Um, and we've been doing that in many different ways. Uh, we, there's a piece of text from Tamika Palmer that we use. Tamika Palmer is Breonna Taylor's mother. And uh, she talks about double Dutch in this really beautiful way um, about how it's a kind of a tradition that's passed down um, in, their, in the community. And we've created kind of this rhythmic, you know, I like the crazy footwork, this crazy footwork um, that kind of mimics this idea of double Dutch, but also creates this kind of rhythmic score underneath her speaking. Um, I think it's just really important that outside audience members are hearing the stories of life as well. Not just like that we only know Brianna Taylor because of death is ridiculous, right? That we only know George Floyd because of death is ridiculous. Like we need to hear about them in life and hear about everybody in life. So that's one of the places we're pushing now because I think that's even more important than also showing this trauma. Um, and the big, the big step or, that we're trying to um, accomplish as we begin to, we're gonna hopefully embark on a tour um, in 2022 is that we're going to be um, reaching out to communities um, on this tour ahead of time um, and getting primary sources, talking to family members, getting those stories of life, and then implementing each story wherever we go into the sound score. So that when we go to a community and we're performing this work in theaters, but on the street, we started on the street, right? In pandemic, this is where we've been rehearsing, like in the streets. And it also is relevant because this happens in the streets. So as much as I like performing in beautiful theaters, I think we also need to take this into people's homes, into people's neighborhoods. So um, when we go into these spaces, we're hoping to talk to these communities beforehand, get those stories of life, bring it into the work so that when we go to uh, Ferguson and we're, and we're you know, doing the work there, that we'll have talked to Michael Brown's family and we'll get some stories about that. And then we'll kind of create work based on that joy and that life of that human being. Mm -hmm. um, right? So we're trying to make sure that we understand the humanity instead of you know, this idea of these dangerous monsters. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's, that's the work that we're currently in now. Um, 
And then to reference the other work you were talking about, which was the People Versus, uh, which was interesting because we started making that work before all the crazy OJ, like, you know how there was this big upswing in OJ madness in that, I think it was the 20 year. And we started, I started doing this a little bit before that because I would say before 9-11, like the OJ trial was like, the thing was like, what do you remember in your life? Like, what was the big event? And it's like, where were you? I was like, I remember when that verdict came out, like where I was talking to, you know, kids in high school and seeing people and having two very divergent opinions. I feel like black people were like, okay, finally. Even though we weren't like, we weren't on OJ's side, but we were like, okay. And white people were like, this is the craziest outrage in history. And it was like that, those two like ideas that made me be like, I gotta make something about this because that singular person drove this like idea of like, equality or inequality in the justice system like it put a spotlight on it it was the first reality television moment before like it was before the kardashian it was like the first time there was like reality tv mm-hmm. it was just like this explosion into like this new way that we look at media um it it it, it actually put a spotlight on domestic violence in a way that like nothing had ever happened it was just this huge huge event um it talked about um the the police being almost in many ways like a gang in certain respects um in terms of how they approached that and so what we did is we we created a work um which was a recreation of that piece um using a lot of the transcripts of of the trial and it was just a question of instead of being like is this right or wrong it was more so like what, how do we look at the justice system? How are we looking at it through the guise and, and through the lens of this trial in particular? Um, and what I think was very interesting um, for that work, it was this, one of the first times that we really, really stepped out into audience engagement. And so we were doing a lot of things um, that were risky, uh, that I think were important, uh, but and, and that and it was always trying to take this challenge. Um, as an example, I know Sean that you, you've seen the work obviously, and um, you were in different ways pulled into the work. Um, so one of the one of the things that we did talk about is we talked about we had a section of it which was um, uh, about police and and kind of the abuse of police powers. Um, and one of the things we had is is uh, some of the the white dancers in my company were acting as these police, and they were bringing in audience members of color um, and just touching them as a gunshot went off and and placing them on the ground as a pile of bodies. Um, And in many ways, those people being in this space, kind of just creating this pile of bodies, highlighted and made them more more important, which also just in in the idea of a, a performance space, it almost gave those people more value because they happened to be in the space, in the performance, on the stage with the dancers. But it's interesting that they were more important because they were dead. And so that's that's also like the way I wanted people to look at it and say like, why are we now deeming this more important? Um, and we did this in many spaces. Some of my dancers felt, and they took many risks. We went and did this uh, piece at Tompkinsville Park um, where um, Eric Garner lost his life and was murdered. Um, and we did it for his parents, met his parents and, and the community there. And one of the things was these dancers were going out and just taking people from the community. Some people said, 
don't you effing touch me, right? That that was some of the that was some of the interaction. Some people, you know, said, "I need you to bring me in," right? But navigating that for them, I think, was really challenging too, and and scary in a moment. But also, I think there's something that's like it just opens up the heart, and it's just kind of like we are communicating with each other in a way that we might not have. And so for me, um, whether it's a rejection, whether it is a, is a pull me in, I think that to itself lends to the conversation is important to have. Wow. You know, I, I was there for the people versus, like you said, I, I was jealous I was not in that piece. I'm not gonna lie to you, but um, I remember being there. I remember being pulled up. I remember all the visuals. And, you know, you mentioned earlier that the, the, the space that JJDC works in, I guess any dance studio, when, when, the, when the energy and the vibe is right, can be very religious. It can be very church or whatever your walk, walk of faith is, right? Whatever your place of worship is, is going to be called, sanctuary, what have you. It, it can be that. Um, and, I, and I do think that for that piece, it felt like an ulterior or an alternative universe where things were happening before our eyes. We were actually watching this thing play out in art form in dance form. And it wasn't like the story was made up. It was actually just, uh, you know, <laughs> what actually happened, but actually seeing it happen and, and actually being able to be a part of it. And I remember the gunshots going off and I remember it going on the ground and recognizing, wow, this just feels more real and watching people tear up in the audience and even my wife tear up in the audience, you know, during, that, during those moments, it just brings it more to life. And I think for me, that's what dance has always done. It, it has always been that medium that it can just do things and, and, and put people in places that words always can't express. Um, it, can, it can showcase and even give resolution uh, uh, and solace to in instances like the George Floyd in incident, right? Where just words can't even be expressed anymore, uh, but sometimes movement can. Movement can kind of just not shadow or overshadow, but it can express things that just we don't know how to do without without actual words. And I'm I'm enamored by the connections that dance and especially JGDC has done to put this thing forward. And I commend you dancers for being so brave for going into various places and putting these things on. Because I do think that you know, other situations, depending on the audience, you know, you might have had people who were like, yeah, no. We don't want to see anything that involves this at all. Like, you're, you're good. You can keep moving. But I, I feel like people who were looking for some kind of, because again, with these things, we don't get always, you know, results or, or solutions or even, you know, resolutions. We just get a pat on the back or we get a sentence that we say, okay, great. Like you said, you know, we, we get that, that, that sentence and then life goes on. But sometimes we need closure. And these these pieces can give a lot of people closure to situations that emotionally they don't know, really know how to, how to deal with. So I always commend you, Jamal, because I feel like the, 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 the programs that you put out there and, and the concepts you put out there are always at the top. Um, I, I, I never think that what you're putting out there is, is, is basic and everything that what you're putting out there is, is I say catchy, but I, I guess trendy would be the better word because you're not a trendy person when it comes to these things. You put things out there that are, are top of the line and they're borderline controversial because I think that we need to talk about these issues and in, in, in instances, but they have to be done in a way that's gonna be palatable. And, and you do that and you do it and you've done it so many years now. 
um, in various ways. And you're only getting better and better with time. So I commend you. And I'm impressed. You know, I'm impressed. My, my question for you now is, you know, what has been the response for people who, um, first of all, your dancers, when they've gone through these things and they've represented, you know, the various families and various instances of these historical events, how do they feel after doing these things? Uh, is there any like mental health, anything that you guys talk about? Is there any like underlying issues that come up in the group? Um, you know, if you mind sharing clearly. And then, you know, just physically speaking, does it, does it, does it ever weigh on you that you're showcasing or showing something that was so uh, uh, detrimental and degrading to a certain group of people? Do you ever feel the weight of that as an artist? Yeah, um, that's a great question. I think I'll start by saying that um, we usually are constantly making when these things are also happening, right? It's not like some past event and then it's done. Um, so when we're making, we're constantly checking in with each other um, because, for example, we created a piece, Rob Day, which talked about America's infatuation with firearms. And it was told through the perspective of a gun. And as we were making that piece, it was like, school shooting, another school shooting, another instance of violence. And it was hard. It was, it's like, it's always hard to come into a space while you're working when you're inundated with these um, events. And so we, again, as family, we try to check in with each other. We try to make sure we're okay. We try to be open. Um, it's a conversation. There's no direct point like this is right or this is wrong. I think it's more so and what I try to do with the the piece, the pieces that we make, but also in the creation of it is a conversation. It's not Jamal's point of view. It is, you know, we're all coming from these kind of perspectives and let's have a conversation. Let's have a conversation first, you know, vocally, whatever, but then also through movement. Um, and I think that's why you know, dance is so key and so important. Um, we all come from a debate culture. You know, you and I have both been privileged to go to fabulous places where we've gotten good educations. And a lot of that, a lot of it is, is based on this idea of debate and kind of uh, crafting your words in a way that you can win sometimes. And I feel like for dance, it's not that. It's just, it's, it's crafting um, conversation and arguments to actually communicate. Um, and so to me, that's kind of where the difference happens. Um, in terms of, you know, the responses, like I said, I think the fact that I'm trying to go into these places, and I do feel the weight um, in, in, in having these conversations, I feel the weight, and, I, and I've said this a lot recently with this work, um, I feel scared that I'm both a target um, because of the way I look, but I also realize the privileges that I have and sometimes feel like a complicit actor in a system that harms the people that look like me. And so for the, for in many ways, I, I do, I feel that weight of both. Um, and it's tricky. It's a, it's a it's a, it's something that I kind of move through every day that I'm kind of saying, well, what are the, you know, you weigh the pros and cons, you know, I, <clears throat> for example, um, Sean, I, I presented this excerpt of this work um, for one of the schools that I teach and we did it through zoom. Um, we had the students watch 
um, and then had conversations in affinity spaces. And I think it was really important for these kids to see that work, to see this. Um, and the way we related it to them was also saying the, this juxta juxtaposition of success and sacrifice. Like, what is this school's success? And, and, and how is that success on kind of maybe the sacrifice of something, ideas, people? Like, do we look at it like that? And I think that was really important for those kids to say, okay, well, I'm not necessarily around the George Floyds directly, but like, am I also part of the system that creates these dynamics? Um, and so for me, that was really powerful. But at the same time, I walk away saying, did I just make a check mark for the school, right? You know how all, our, all of our schools are going through these things, right? So are they going check? We did a diversity issue, like event. And am I allowing them to now kind of still traffic and travel in these ideas. Um, and, and I look at it and I say, no, I think I'm doing a better like good by, by bringing this to the work than a disservice, you know? But I, but I do think that the fact that I'm bringing it, that I'm opening it does allow like a little bit of a pat on the back, right? Um, and so that's, I think that's the thing that we, we go through all the time. I think we're, I, I'm, in a, I'm in a fortunate position. I realize that all the time. I also realized that I also have to deal with being you know, a black man in America. You know, it's funny you mentioned that. And I, I'm thinking now back to some of the pieces that I used to do with you guys back in the day, um, smiling faces, talking about the former, former administration under Bush and, you know, a number of other pieces that were very controversial. And I remember, um, you know, feeling like this was a space where it was safe enough to share what it was like to be black and what it was like to be a black man in various contexts. Um, and of course the conversation after was, was also uh, easy to, to have. Cause again, if we're on, in that same space, that same temple, that same place of worship or what have you, where everyone is you know, a, safe enough to say what they wanna say, it just feels better. Um, but like you said, you know, there, there's so many things that once you walk into the real world, you know, when you talk about real issues and if you are checking off marks, if you are making a difference, if you are helping or hurting the situation, it becomes kind of tricky. And I, I completely agree with you on that, 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 that teetering the line of, yes, people need to know, they got to see, but am, am I helping or hurting the situation? Is my education or my sharing experiences, is that going to help the situation or just make people who already had their preconceived notions of this thing feel like, yeah, well, I still feel the same way. You just kind of just share it to me a different way, but I still kind of feel the same way I do about this thing. So it's, it's, it, it's, it's hard. And I think that, again, mediums like dance do do a good job of, of bringing things to light that would not be at all shared, I think, to the vast population of people, especially young people, um, that it is being shared today. And, you know, I commend you for your work in various schools. And I kind of want to talk more about you're, you're, you're sharing these things now with other places. So I know you worked I know, with, with the Y, 92nd Street and other places, and you've used not just the, the stories that dance brings to the forefront, but you've also used dance as a way to, as you've said, build self-confidence and to help people with discipline. How, how are, you, are you using dance as that medium now to affect change for, for young people and older people alike? Definitely, I mean, I think for me, the core of all of this, of movement, of teaching, um, is not to 
you know, do what I'm doing, not to learn what I'm doing, but in a way that you need to find your voice. And I feel like, you know, when I'm teaching, you know, I'll teach certain techniques, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll teach, you know, Koteba is one of my favorite things to teach. And, um, you know, and it, it, the idea behind that work is it kind of recenters the, the moral compass of the village and the community. And we'll, we'll, we'll be teaching it and kids will, I'll show the steps and I'll show, you know, the movement and then I'll dance and I'll be like, what? That looks different. That's completely different. And I'm like, well, that, that's how I dance, right? That, this is my voice, right? We're going to dance in unison, but as we are dancing in unison, um, because a lot of our technique works in unison, I want to see the individuality in you, in the unison. And when you see that spark hit, when you see someone find that, to me, it's like, that's the game changer, right? It's the idea is like, what is your voice? And I think dance, one, makes you comfortable in your body. And, and if you're comfortable in your body, you can do anything, right? And I think when you're comfortable in your body, then you're able to be uncomfortable, right? You're able to be uncomfortable in, in ways and then kind of re, uh, uh, kind of navigate and then uh, take the next step in these challenges. If you're, you know, with anything, um, with communicating verbally, with academics, all of it. I think that if you can step out and be comfortable in your body, then it makes you more comfortable with being uncomfortable in new, new situations. Um, so for me, that's been paramount to kind of the way that I've started when I, when I work with students. Um, and then yes, the discipline. I, I, I tell my students all the time also, like I, I, you know, I don't take myself very seriously, but I take my craft very seriously. Um, you know, the idea that this is something that is past, um, there is lineage to this and, um, there's something sacred about it and it's really important. And it's not something that you can come in one day and get, right. There's something deep into the bones, um, that, that you will feel when you put the work in. Um, and I think that to me, that's, and I'm, you know, like, you know, I've been teaching for 20 years. I've been dancing for, uh, I don't want to age myself on this podcast, but, you know, um, but, I, you know, I'm, I'm still learning every day. Even when I'm teaching, I'm learning. That's the beauty of it, too. Like, I feel like I'm starting to, I learn more about the students. I learn more about myself and my movement um, and things that, like, my tendencies and things that I want to work on. Um, so it is this constant, like, pastu of, of expl exploration. You know, I, I never thought about it as, I guess because I, I feel confident in my body, so it, that never never an issue for me. But for people who don't feel confident or comfortable in their bodies, yeah, it's true. When you feel comfortable in your body, then you can feel uncomfortable in other situations. And I never thought about it that way until you just mentioned it. And I, I do see dance as that thing. Because whether you're at a wedding or whether you're at a, you know, a high school party or what have you, people, when music comes on, you can tell people who feel comfortable and you can tell people who don't. And, um, you know, some of it has to do with self-confidence or what have you, but a lot of it has to do with being comfortable in your own skin. And, you know, I, I think it, it does translate in the dance realm, but like you said, it translates into life as well. You know, people, for various reasons, whether it's black and brown people not feeling comfortable in their own skin in this country, or people just not feeling comfortable based on how they look, based on how they feel, et cetera, it can go across the gamut. So, you know, I, I think for, for me, like you said, dance is that thing that can really neutralize all those things. And it puts everyone on the same playing field. Everyone likes music. Everyone likes to move, hopefully, right? And you can really use this thing to effectuate change on a personal level and even globally. So the fact that you're continuing to teach and give back to the community, 
I appreciate that. And I think that is fantastic. Um, now, Jamal, you know, Be More Today is, is my thing. It's my baby. You have my book launch. It's basically like this whole podcast is focusing on ordinary people doing extraordinary things. I think you're doing extraordinary things. And the book is all based on stages of change that people need to or can try to uh, get whatever they want to get done, whether it's trying to be a little more uh, comfortable in their own skin, right? Or a little more active in their own uh, uh, physical fitness, whatever the case may be, a little more confident in what they want to do and give you these basic, these stages of change, these steps of greatness to get there. Um, so I'm curious for you, Jamal, you know, be more taste is a, a very common phrase, but it's different for everyone. And as number 67 on this podcast, I'm asking you, sir, when you hear the phrase be more today, what does that phrase personally mean to you? Um, for me, and it, it kind of spurs directly from you, sir, is um, be self-reflective and really think about how you can be the best you. That was That's something that's always, for me, um, resonated um, with you, uh, with how you kind of present yourself, Sean, always. You know, like, I don't think that it's an idea of like, I'm going to make this person better or make that person better or that. I think it's just more so like, let's come into this space, let's talk, and I'm going to try and do things that will make the best me. And I, I think that has resonated very much um, with me. I'm not trying to be, you know, when I when I think about Be More Today, I'm not trying to be this company or this dancer or, you know, be, you know, everyone's like, oh, so you're like Ailey? Because I have mostly Black dancers. No, that's not, that's not, I'm doing the best JJGC. And so for me, I feel like the, that idea is is self-reflection and growth. Hmm. Yeah, that's big. You know, it, it's funny, you, you're, I, I had uh, two, two, two things. One, I had a flashback of us doing, um, for people who don't know, you know, most dancers when they're doing a show, you learn choreography for weeks, 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 weeks. And then you have a show and you gotta do some cleaning. So everyone has a cleaning session where Basically, you, Jamal, or someone would just basically look through and literally clean like the first five minutes and like the next five minutes of a piece or the first two minutes and just go through it. And I remember my first time really being in the company and, and, and really having you clean movement for us. And I was so frustrated because what I thought I had down pat, because, you know, there's a certain mindset of when you're doing something, you think you got it, right? You think you have it. And it's different with dance because we all have to have it together. You know, we all have to have the same arm at the same whatever in unison. So whether I have it or not, doesn't matter. If I'm not doing it with somebody else at the same time, then we don't have it. Uh, and I remember being so frustrated when you would go through and be like, oh, we got to change that. Now your leg is doing this and now your, your arm is doing this. And I didn't even realize I was doing those things because in my mind, I had it. I had it down, you know. But I think that those uh, instances where someone can actually show you, look, you're doing okay, but if you just do this differently here, then you're really going to have it. Uh, and people coming together and recognizing they can do that together to either put out work, like artistic work, or to put out other works, whether at their jobs or in their communities or in their families. I mean, that to me is what personally Be More Say means to me. You know, it's like us coming together and recognizing that, yes, we can move together. We can dance together to get things done. And like you said, it's not about competition. It's not about, you know, me being better than you or you being better than me. Because in any art form, whether it's dance or whatever, or any profession, there can be competition for those things, right? But I never felt like JGDC was competitive in nature in terms of the people who are being brought to the company. 
It was a very, and it continues to be a very family oriented, let's move, let's grow together and let's put out great work so the world can see. And it continues to be that. And I wish other companies and other jobs and other people, my goodness, just emulated that on a regular basis. Because if we all did that, Jamal, like it'd be a better place. You know, there's no need for us to sit here and, and, and bring people down when in all actuality, we all need someone to say, look, you know what? You gotta keep your hand up a little bit. Your legs sticking out a little bit, you know, and saying it in love and kindness as opposed to being like, you gotta change this. So I appreciate all those foundations that you that you share with me and continue to share with the other people at the Y and, and your dancers and your communities. Uh, I think you're doing a great job. And I just can I just hope and and pray. You know, I, I see I see this dance space as, as a church. So we can say that, um, you know, that that you continue to do that for the next generation of people who come before after us. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, listen, any any advice you want to give to um, aspiring dancers who, uh, you know, kind of want to be where you are or directors who want to start their own company um, or for anyone who is, again, just trying to put out good work like you are and 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 trying to make sure that they can continue to move uh, even as they get older and continue to do certain things um, to make sure that they're still putting out good content and still making sure that it's never about them, but it's always about the greater, the greater good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so many things. Uh, uh, make sure that you are you surround yourself with people who are supportive, right? You're going to in this field. It is very difficult. Um, it is cutthroat in many ways. Um, there are a lot of people that are kind of scram scrambling for that one uh, morsel of food, um, and so it is difficult. So you know there are going to be people who are bring negativity to your space, but try to find those people who want to support you, who want to support your your ideas, your artistry, um, and you know find that group of people. I, I've constantly found groups of people who you know, I want to support and they want to support me. And that's, you know, that's a very, it's a better space to move through. Um, be ready. I will always say not failures, but be, be prepared to learn from the hurdles that will come at you because uh, I'll say 93% is going to be rejections and no's. Right. And and things that you have to work on, things that you have to get better at, whether it's grant writing, whether it's, you know, applications for festivals, whether it is, um, you know, getting booked by presenters, like all of these things, whether it's just the work that you're making, um, there's like learn. Enjoy the failure, like there's a part of it that's like you have to like, don't just take that and go, oh, I didn't this didn't happen. And that's it's the end. I'll be like, this didn't happen. OK, so like, why? What, what what's going on is it something that i need to adjust is it something that just that i might not be the right fit for this thing like what 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 does that mean so like really just learn from those things and because that's in this in in this field um there's going to be more rejection than there is uh positivity so you have to be resilient in that way um and there is positivity there is like i'm you know i, I get a lot of light um at the end of the tunnel so i'm i'm very happy about that but to this day, I still think I'm like, oh, I got this, I got this. And then I look at something, I go, ah, they didn't want me to do this, right? And, so, and then I have to learn from that. Um, so those are the things. And then, and then one, of the, one of the things as an older artist now that I have learned over time, and this is something I can say, but it's something that a younger artist will just have to experience for themselves, 
is um, when I would usually get into spaces applying for things or just navigating different dance realms in different places in the city, it's always, what is your artist statement? Who are you as an artist? What is that? And I'm tired of that conversation. Um, you have a perspective and a point of view, but for me, my 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 statement, if you want to say, is to start conversation. What we've been talking about this whole time, Sean. Um, why am I doing this? Why am I creating? What does it mean? How does it connect other people? How does it get other people to have conversations, talk about things that they might not have um, because I'm presenting this art art to them? I don't want to say this is the perspective. I'm going to shove it down your throat and listen to it. I want to just create something that, that makes people have a conversation that says, oh, I never thought about it like this, but maybe this, well, I don't agree with that and so on and so forth. So I would say, look at your art as a way to, as a way to spark conversation and to, and to spark thought as opposed to uh, wowing with your statement. Hmm. That's big time right there, Jay. Listen, where can folks follow you on social media or otherwise? Uh, website is uh, jamaljacksondancecompany.org. Uh, JJDC2004 on Instagram and Jamal Jackson Dance Company on Facebook as well. Um, we are presenting our um, thing that we have upcoming is uh, August 19th uh, at the Battery Dance Festival, which is a beautiful stage outdoors in Battery Park down there. Um, and that will be, yes, August 19th in the evening. You can find that at, if you search Battery Dance. Um, and you look up their festival and they have their whole lineup. It's a week of free concerts. So um, come check it out. And, and we're presenting an, an excerpt of 846, which is the piece we were talking about, the, the Rite of Spring, which is based off of um, George Floyd and others uh, for that festival. Awesome. Awesome. I hope to be there. I'll bring Sonali so she can come and watch uh, and see what's going on. Jay, I really appreciate you being on the show today. You've made 67 one for the books and you know one of the reasons again why I dance is because you instilled that in me so I, I appreciate your teaching and uh, I look forward to see what's next in store for the company and I'm excited that it continues to grow uh, and I pray it gets to 20 years and 40 years and continues on and on and on as long as it can so well done sir. Thank you thank you for having me I mean I, I'm just an awe and impressed always with what you do Sean but this is an, the next level so um, just amplifying voices and you've done that throughout your life I'm very appreciative and and just proud you know to be a friend yes sir yes sir uh and folks don't forget what he said he mean he says so many so many points so many nuggets about just making sure you go out there and and live life you know stay in your lane know who you are right be confident in who you are um get ready for the the hurdles that you're going to come your way I talked about obstacles in the beginning of the show right you're going to hit obstacles it's it's just the way it is and whether you're ready for those things or not, that's up to you. But just recognize that if you want to get to the next level for these steps of greatness, you're going to have to make sure that you're ready when things don't go your way and use that as fuel to keep pushing forward. Our quote from today was simple. Dance is the joy of movement and the heart of life. So for those of you who uh, have stopped moving, whether it was quarantine that's hit you in the face or the pounds that we gained during quarantine, recognize, yo, New York City's open, place is opening up now. Don't forget that movement is life. Uh, as a physical therapist, I also affirm this message that movement is key. 
And, you know, it's one of the things that continues to keep people as we get older, and even as we're younger, it's healthier for us. It makes us feel better. It makes our days be better. It's better for you physically. So continue just to move and groove, whether it's in your shower or it's going to be on the, on the stage with JGDC, keep moving forward. Uh, for more information about the Be More Today show, you can visit us at bemoretoday.com for my book, uh, which is on Amazon and on the site as well. Our podcast that comes out every single Monday. And again, my boy T. Farrell has the Worst for Life podcast every single Wednesday. So check that out as well. If you want to send me an email or get in contact with Jamal, that's Dr. Sean at bemoretoday.com for all the information. We appreciate your love and support. We will continue to put out every single Monday a new episode with new content for you. And as I always say, have a good day. Have a good night. Have a great life. And continue to take your steps of greatness to be the best version of you. We'll see you next week. Peace.